Neil, there's not really a day goes by when we're not talking about how technology, artificial intelligence, things like ChatGPT have been influencing almost every sector of business and how we go about our daily lives here in the UAE. Oh, you bet. I mean, it is the thing that has literally taken over. And, and you know, while technology has been extremely helpful for everyone, there are concerns that are coming up with people saying that, oh, will this new technology called ChatGPT take over my job? Well, how is it affecting students? To answer that question, we are joined here in the studio by Professor Stephen Wilhite, the Vice President of Academic Affairs and Provost of American University, uh, Russell Kamer, and he's made his way uh, here in studio. Uh, Professor Stephen, thank you very much for your time this afternoon. Thank you for having me. Where, where did you first hear about these, this term of ChatGPT? I heard about it in various uh, publications in higher education, for example, the Chronicle of Higher Education and other similar publications. And, and we, how were, you, were, in, were your initial thoughts, mm, this could be another way for, for students to write essays in about an hour and then submit them? Yes, indeed. <laughs> that was my reaction, the reaction of a number of other colleagues at my own university and around all of higher education. So, you know, when, when that thought came in, I'm so sure that whenever there's a problem posed, uh, we try and find solutions. So what were the solutions that, uh, you know, you and your team came up with? Well, our solutions are that we have to embrace it mm -hmm. rather than try to erect a firewall to keep our students away from it. Because, as you mentioned, it's impacting business. It's impacting virtually every sector of society. Mm. And when you have that impact outside the university. Universities have to react. We have to prepare our students to embrace the technology, learn how they can use that technology effectively in whatever major or pursuit they're going into. And we have our own program in artificial intelligence at the undergraduate level. And so for us, from a, from a marketing angle for the university, this is a great opportunity to potentially attract students who are excited by the buzz mm -hmm. around AI. Over the weekend, uh, I'm working at the, the Golf News Edgy Fair, uh, which is going to be on, and we often speak to a lot of parents and students and, and lecturers there. And, and questions like these always come up where they talk about artificial intelligence and, and chat GPT. And I think what you've done at the University of Russell Kmart is highlighted very well that, yeah, we need to embrace this because if we can teach our students how to use this when they graduate in three, four years, they've instantly got a leg up amongst everyone else in the workforce uh, that's unaware on how to embrace this new technology. Absolutely. We read every day about applications in business that are using uh, AI. And so if we can have students with direct hands-on experience during their university education, during an internship, mm. they're going to be better prepared to step into the positions across a variety of sectors in the business world. So when you say that, you know, AI as a course, uh, you know, back in the days when I was studying, and I remember this, that uh, e-commerce and, uh, you know, W, uh, sorry, HTML and all of that was coming up and people are like, you know, you should study all of these things because that's going to be the future. Uh, some of us actually took up courses on those. Uh, then came in the big MBAs that you need to have an MBA so that you can be relevant in the market. Is AI going to be that one thing that will make people relevant? Or if you're not uh, you know, um, attuned to AI, probably you'll be irrelevant in the market. No, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly across a variety of sectors, you're going to need to have some knowledge, some ability to use apps. But there are going to be a variety of demands. And one of the things that we try to uh, communicate to our students is you have to be flexible. 
you have to develop a set of skills that you can transform into other sectors as other needs arrive. So you cannot leave very narrowly educated in any particular area because things are going to happen. And what you need is to be able to think critically and creatively and use a variety of skills and a variety of knowledge to mm-hmm. move into new opportunities. Yeah, so, Professor, are those the, the soft skills or some people call them the non-technical skills uh, that students are needing? Are, are you trying to uh, teach those? Are there ways in which you're embracing the learning of those skills? Absolutely. Uh, one, one of our uh, general learning outcomes is teamwork. Because increasingly in a variety of sectors, you do not work alone. You work in teams. You work in teams not just in your office. You work in teams around the country. You work in teams around the globe. And to be able to achieve objectives, you have to have the skills to be able to communicate effectively with other individuals. You have to have active listening so you know C- can what Can you enroll our producer, saying. Pranav? How <laughs> <laughs> you get a spare bot? Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is incredible. You know, I mean, the way things are moving up. Uh, and, 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 I, and I look at it, you know, considering someone who studied sciences and was absolutely pinpointed towards one thing in life uh, I, I moved away from my career in, uh, in, in, in research of medicine I'm a, I'm a research pharmacist by qualification moving out to study something else and doing completely different as my career path are students being trained to do that as well because you know life may not be as what you probably study in your books Absolutely. So uh, one of the courses that we require every student to take at the university is a course in entrepreneurship and innovation. And what that course uh, tries to do is teach the fundamentals of design thinking Mm -hmm. that could be applied across a variety of areas, across a variety of problems. And we also look for ways to bring students into contact with students who are different from themselves, Mm. not just in our university, but at universities around the world. We have partnerships with a number of U.S. institutions where they work collaboratively with projects with students at those other universities, for example, Wayne State University in Detroit, Michigan, where they meet students they that are very different from any students they have grown up with or met here. And in that process, they develop further communication skills and they develop intercultural knowledge that's going to help them move across different sectors, even on a global scale. Yeah, because I went back and did my MBA and I realized that the biggest skill I learned was time management and, and learning how to learn again. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yes, I mean this this whole this whole thing about structuring the learning experience and now with AI being able to take some of these tools that are going to directly positively impact your learning, these AI tutors that are going to begin to emerge are already emerging. They are a powerful source of learning and we also try to communicate to students the notion of lifelong learning. You're not going to be finished in four years. True. You're not going to be finished in six years. I'm not finished now 40 years on in higher awesome. education because we have to keep learning. Yeah, I think it's like law and medicine always had the view of, oh, I'm practicing medicine. Yeah. Oh, I'm practicing law because it's, it's, it's self, you know, you're constantly you're self-learning. Every and now every, every industry is that way. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't, the, the notion of remaining static of, just having this set of skills and they're not going to carry you forward for 20 years 
forget it. When, when I went back back and studied, I couldn't believe how hard it was because I'd do a re- what I thought was a really good paper. And then they spoke <laughs> about the idea of this thing called referencing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's 25% of your marks, making sure you've referenced other people's works. And I'm like, oh, okay, I've got to do as I'm told. And then I realized you had to upload it to a server in California. Uh, we had almost every single essay from around the world. And they looked at piracy and how, if, how close it was to someone else's survey to make sure that you weren't and I was like oh they've got through yeah to, but 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 again it, it's it's a case of you know that's a situation of okay I'm given the set of instructions so I've got, I've got to follow it um, but it's but it's also a case of universities are therefore an example of making the technology work for them to make sure there's there's not that 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 copyright infringement of taking on someone else's work oh absolutely and and there is no question with these new AI writers it is a much much greater challenge than it was even four years ago. Because even though new software is coming out to detect uh, content that's been generated by AI writers, that is a, a vicious cycle. It's, it's mm. a no-win proposition. Because even as new software becomes available, the AI writers are going to evolve in a way that make it increasingly difficult. So what we do is we try to minimize with the kinds of assignments and assessments we use the opportunity where you can just take an AI generated product and present it as your as your own. And in fact, we we try to encourage sometimes getting an AI generated product, an essay, an answer to a question, and then have students in small groups analyze it. Go check referencing, see if there are challenges they can pose to this particular response that they've gotten. But we also teach them to use it as a tool. So if I'm doing a literature review for a thesis, AI uh, writers are tremendous tools to help you find all of the relevant literature, but then you still have to make it your, your own. You have to tie it to the specific problem you're working on, your specific context. Yeah, I mean, you know, education has changed in all these years and probably is one of the most evolving industries. Uh, I, I teach at a university and, you know, I, I went, went, went on day one and I pulled up my presentation and I realized the interest level was minimal <laughs> because I was like, hey, you know what, this is not how it's going to work. Class number two, and I bring up videos, I bring up interactive, uh, you know, uh, debates in the class, uh, give, give them assignments which were more practical driven and the interest levels were here. So... Is, is it something as a challenge? Is, is this a challenge for educators also that they need to uh, not just educate but evolve at the same time, at the same pace or probably better as the technology is or as the students are? Oh, absolutely. Uh, faculty constantly have to evolve the strategies and techniques that they use in the classroom. Even though some of my colleagues would disagree, even leaders in higher ed, my basic stance is the lecture is dead. At least the 50-minute lecture is dead. Mm. There is, you would have to be incredibly gifted as a lecturer to hold the attention yeah. of the current generation for 50 minutes. True. You may hold it for five, you may hold it for 10, but then they have to be engaged in active learning. You have to give them tasks, you have to give them options, you have to give them uh, technology, videos, other sources that they can interact with that will grab their attention, that will hold their attention, but that will also involve them in com conversations with classmates and even with 
the professor. No, I, I in fact had to pull up a couple of TikTok videos to get their attention. <laughs> you yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Throw yeah. lollies to the right questions, <laughs> yeah. right answers to the yeah. questions, whatever you want yeah. uh, to, to keep that attention. Um, I, I'm fascinated by this because uh, I, I know that obviously we hear so much about ChatGPT, but I also love the idea that this next generation are, 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 are skilled and, uh, and and do have this. And I, I, I'm, I'm more interested to hear, Dr. Stephen, about, you know, perhaps the you know the, the constructive conflict between higher education on how this should be handled is there one centralized view worldwide on how universities should embrace this or are there still conflicting opinions at this stage there's still conflicting opinions but but i would say an emerging consensus is we have to learn to embrace mm. it and in doing that we have to change how we engage students, the kinds of assignments, and where they do those assignments. And we're increasingly flipping the classroom. So you still have to read if you're a student, but you can read outside of class. But when you come to class, I want you to use what you have read about Mm. in a way where I can see you using it. I can see you using it with others, and I know it's not that you're just regurgitating what an AI writer has produced, but where you are cognitively processing and manipulating that information with a specific problem. And one of, one of the, the tools that, that higher ed is using is as, as powerful as these AI writers are, they don't have knowledge of what's happened in your classroom over the last seven days. And so you can particularize the assignments, the questions, even the issues you're asking students to grapple with based on their experience in the context of your class or in the context of something else going on at the university that's not a part of the database that these AI tools are drawing on. Amazing work. This is incredible. You know, I mean, while while what we have of AI right now is definitely, you know, a linguistic tool that, that helps us write and uh, the setup. But in, in, in your experience and, you know, with your research, uh, do you think that it will impact subjects of pure sciences as well or probably mathematics as well in, in coming times where students who are studying pure sciences who probably wanted, want to study astrophysics, uh, you know, would, would be using chat GPT and other such AIs to increase their knowledge base or probably do referencing or, or just referencing rather? No, no, I think, I think it will have a, a profound impact across almost any discipline that you can name. Mm -hmm. And I think it will be an accelerator. It will drive faster development of new knowledge, faster application of that knowledge. But there's still going to be human minds uh, engaged with whatever those uh, AI tools are helping gather for us. I think their power is the gathering of information and even now increasingly the analysis of that information, but in a way that lets us jump to a new question, a new problem, a new issue that otherwise we might have spent five years if we were grinding away on our own through that database. Well, Professor, I can tell you are previously a university lecturer because there's not many people that can come in here and for 20 minutes speak live with Neil and myself and be able to <laughs> hold our attention and be able to keep uh, keep on track. So we do appreciate your comments and uh, you coming in today. And, and you, it really is great to, to hear your passion and also give examples of, of how this is really going to be something to help invigorate higher education. I think it's an exciting time. And I think uh, five years from now, we will look back and say, this was a a great spur 
to higher education. Amazing. Professor Stephen Wilhite, the Vice President of Academic Affairs and Provost of the American University of Russell Kamer, uh, speaking on the topic of chat, GPT and other artificial intelligence writers. If you do have a view on this, you can let us know. 058686 Hey, thanks for listening to another TSB TalkSport Business Podcast. And don't forget, if you want to hear the full show, we're live every weekday from 3 to 7 p.m. across the UAE on Talk 100.3. Or you can listen to us via the Big Fan TV app.